What is up everyone? Obviously, as you probably noticed, the perimeter has been in hibernation for a little bit. We're still working to get back with another season two, but very excited to announce that Adam will be joining Dan Dickow on a brand new twice a week podcast covering all things Gonzaga basketball, Gonzaga Nation. So follow along on Instagram at Gonzaga Nation SI on YouTube and on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Make sure you subscribe and turn on notifications so you know when each episode drops. Thank you so much again for your patience. We hope to be back for season two of The Perimeter. But until then, here is a preview of the latest episode of Gonzaga Nation with Adam Morrison and Dan Dickdow. Gonzaga Nation SI rolls on. This time we're in studio in person, Adam. It's uh, been a while. I know we talked to each other on Zoom with our other releases. Now we get a chance to just sit back, relax, talk hoops. Last week, a little bit unfortunate. We were both planning on going down. I was going to call the game uh, TV-wise. You obviously had the two radio games. They both got popped. (laughs) Did you even pack your bags or what was the plan for you i was packed i was dreaming of san diego air and sunshine and uh obviously the game got canceled so yeah it sucked because it's like 14 degrees in spokane right now so <laughs> i wasn't very happy about it but uh yeah it's it you know it's one of those deals uh roll with the punches but i was looking forward to some sunshine and new year's in la and stuff and nope What's a what's a typical road trip for you as a broadcaster? Because you have the advantage of you're just calling typically from the Gonzaga perspective. Yeah. And you've seen them once you get to the bulk of the season, your, your prep. I don't want to say it's nothing, but mm-hmm. it's minimal compared to what it was the first four or five games yeah. of the year. We're still learning, guys. What's a typical day? Uh, yeah, like a conference prep is pretty simple. Obviously, um, I know most of the, the routine for uh, other teams are kind of schemes, right? That doesn't really change. Obviously, play uh, players will change a little bit, but usually in the West Coast Conference, it's four-year guys. So you get to know yeah. kind of their tendencies and what they like to do. Um, so, yeah, like a prep day for me is I usually go to team breakfast, um, and then I'll probably go to sleep or something after that. <laughs> and then I got uh, – Go to team meal is the most important one. Um, it's usually four hours before the game, and that's when I can get a real feel of what the scout is for us on how we want to play them, obviously. But, like, personnel, what are some tendencies that this team does? Go to that and then uh, get ready for the game. It's pretty simple. I mean, it, it. I always say I could do it with my eyes closed, and that's maybe a little bit too narcissistic. <laughs> but it's, it's you know how it is. I mean, your broadcaster, obviously, as well as you just uh, – I call the games like I'm talking to my friend, which Huddy is my buddy. Yeah. Like we're at a bar and I just kind of explained it that way. Yeah. Well, you know, I've told you this not on camera before, mm-hmm. but just in, in our conversations, this is what you're four for you or you're three, four. And, and I'm not saying this because I think I'm a better broadcaster by any stretch, but I've seen growth or heard growth. And when I listen to your broadcast oh, I and I hear it in the post game. Mm-hmm. And I think for, for a lot of average fans, they get a sense of what's going on. But for true basketball guys, when they hear just little clips yeah. or phrases that you yeah. use, you're like, okay, he gets it. He knows what he's talking about. What's that been like for you kind of navigating that 
growth curve? Well, uh, you know, at first I was obviously really green. I never did it before. Obviously you went to, didn't you do a broadcasting major? Father Don Heiberger. (laughs) (laughs) Eric Edelstein and I basically got each other through college. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, now he's getting killed by dinosaurs in Jurassic park. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's a tangent. We could go. Yeah. I was kind of, yeah. But then it's like, Oh, fridge. It's calm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, at the start I was like, you know, how much terminology can you really use, you know, as far as the deeper basketball terminology. And that's not like saying, you know, the average guy, but like, there's certain things like, Hey, come out on a ball screen. If they iced, you're going to twist the screen. (laughs) Yeah. You know, here for most people. Yeah. You know exactly what I meant. Most people don't. So Lang, but you have to be able to explain that. Um, and then you have to explain it in a sense that, uh, you know, the radio, so they can't see it obviously. So you have to do it fast. Um, so that part explaining things at the start in the beginning, um, was it's gotten better over time. And then I think try not to repeat yourself. Do you repeat yourself on? Cause obviously I don't see your broadcasts, yeah. but I say fantastic. A lot of people are like, Stop saying fantastic. But I I'm used to say phenomenal. Phenomenal. Yeah. See, like I always, I, I, there's certain words that, you know, at the end of the night, I'm like, man, I probably said that like six times. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's grown over time. I enjoy it. It's, it's fun to do to, um, you know, obviously call the games, but I do it with a good friend of mine. So that part's cool. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like me and Huddy are kind of just looking around on yeah. the deal. You know, uh, it's, uh, it's cool to be able to, be a part of the action still in a sense. Well, and the nice part for me is as opposed to, cause I thought I was going to go down the coaching path Yeah, so did is I. Yeah. when you're doing that, you're breaking down film, looking strengths, weaknesses as a team or mm-hmm. individual to put together uh, a, a scouting report. When you watch games now and you watch film, you're looking for big picture stuff that I can share in a broadcast. I'm sure you yeah. do too. But when the game's over, I might be ticked off that I said, one stat wrong, or I might get a tweet from a parent when I said the name of the kid wrong, Yeah, but I'm done. You go have a beer, you have a glass of wine and you're done for the night. That's the beautiful thing about broadcasting, staying close to the game. I think I I totally agree. Some people are like, do you ever get mad when, you know, Gonzaga loses and it doesn't happen very often. That's not a, you know, humble brag or whatever, but it's like, even maybe mad for like half an hour. And then it's like, okay, it's, you know, where's the nearest Applebee's, honey? Yeah. <laughs> Let's go drink some. <laughs> Let's go drink some beers or whatever. So yeah, that part is is definitely a bonus of it. Um, you know, the coaching aspect. You you coach your kids. I coach my kids. So you get to see the growth of players. That's that that's fun too. You know, so you you obviously miss out on that. Of you know, if you're recruiting a kid, bring them up, and then maybe you can send them off to professional ranks, all that stuff. But uh, you know, broadcasting is fun and it's not a job that uh, there's not a lot of them. So like yeah. be one of them. And then, you know, for Gonzaga, you know, number one program in the country or top five, you know what I'm saying? It, it's pretty cool to be, you know, we see some of these guys on the road that are great. The St. Mary's guy, Alex is awesome. You know, some of the other guys from the WCC are great. And it's like me and Huddy laugh. It's like, we are so good. Yeah. We are so lucky. Cause some of these guys have never even like been to the tournament. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so we, we are always like, Hey man, like this is fun and, and good to see you. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. cause it's just like, we're, we're pretty lucky that we, you know, win 35 games and we're calling winners all the time. And you know, yeah. it's, it's better than going in there and, you know, what, another what, 
specific turnover. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think one of the, the frustrations that, that our KHQ regional broadcast yeah. crew has is we get the... You've never called a loss, have you? I don't think we have. No, I think didn't. the closest game we've ever called to a loss was when Geno Crandall was in North Dakota. Yeah, they should have won that game. Um, I think that's the closest we ever had. And, and so I don't think Richard Fox has ever called a loss. I think I think he said told me that. Yeah, that's yeah. why I brought that up. Yep. And Heister and I, we call games for Pac-12 Network all mm-hmm. the time that are close games. But we don't get the excitement of no. some of these other broadcast yeah. crews. How... When you talk to other ones, when you do your prep on the road, do, do you get a sense of they're jealous of what? No, no, no. I think, I think jealous maybe or friendly envious would be sure. I guess, a better way, but maybe that means the same thing. Um, you know, because some guys have been doing this way, obviously, way longer than myself, and. You know, obviously I kind of, they, some of these guys are grinders, so you know yeah. how the business is. And I, I just walked into it cause I played. <laughs> yeah. Right. So it's like, here you go, Mo, you want to try this? <laughs> so some of these guys have been grinding and they've never had a successful team or, you know, magical run or anything like that. And you know, it doesn't make the job, um, like define the job, but it's also, it's one of those things when you look back when you're older, like, Hey, I remember I got to call that for this team or this group. It's pretty special. And you get folded into being part of the group if you have a magical program, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I, there's no, like I said, I think most of them are just like, oh, you guys got a pretty good. And we're like, yeah, we know, you know, yeah. or they're always like, man, you guys are so good. And we're like, yeah, I know, you know, like nicely, like, yeah, we get it. So like, yeah. we'll try not, you know, hopefully they don't win by 50 on your guys' home court. Like, you know what I'm Which saying? Which has happened plenty of times. It's happened. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, the broadcast uh, crews are usually, there's only one crew that we've had issues with that just like won't like give us information. I'm not even going to say it because I don't even want to start it, but there's only one that we've had and we're just like, we're not playing each other. Yeah. <laughs> like, we're trying to like tell us a little bit about the team. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, it's funny because you and I both go from a situation where when you're playing, basically mm-hmm. you get handed an itinerary yep. of like, okay, yeah, the bus exactly. leaves for the uh-huh. airport at this time. You're on this flight at least when we flew commercial now it's like, Hey, the bus leaves, you go get on your charter jet. Yeah. People think that our <laughs> travel is easy. It's not easy during the college basketball season. I'll share with you in a second after yeah. I hear your take, uh, the, what I just went through for a game that got canceled. <laughs> what's like, what's the typical travel deal for you guys? Do you travel day of or the day before we, we do day before and you know, like I said, Tom Hudson's my friend and um, he's a genius. We always take like the 6 a.m. to get the hell out of Spokane for a little bit. So then we're down there for like an extra day. So you take golf clubs, I hope? We have. Um, I'm a big poker player, so I go play poker a lot. Yeah. Um, I like pinball as well. So then we'll go find like game arcades. And then like Huddy has people around the country too. So like, you know, it's not like we're, we hang out, but it's not like every single time, but like, you know, if we go on a long trip, like usually one night, me and Huddy are going to get after a little yeah. bit, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> and get, you know, it's fun. Yeah. And, and, and like I said, it, it builds a rapport and I knew Huddy before, but like you, you become better friends with the guy. I'm sure yeah, it helps with, with the back and forth. Like absolutely. some people think Heister and I don't like each other. 
People have actually said, man, Heister bullies you. I'm like, what are you talking about? I give it back to him just as much as, as as people think he gives it to me. Yeah. Now the, the one thing with Heister and I'm I'm sure he'll listen to this or somebody Mm -hmm. will share it with him is he gets so overly excited for Gonzaga that people think he's a homer. And I try to call it down the middle. Yeah. What do you get this? Where do you get the sense that you fall and Huddy falls in the homer slash straight down the middle? Well, I, I usually try to understand that obviously the people that are listening 99% are, are fans case, but also like if the refing is in our favor, I will always say if it's a bad call, even if it's in our favor, um, I will always kind of root for the other teams for a little bit, especially if it's probably going to, you know, like a 30 point spread or something like yeah. that. And you probably know it's going to be a blowout. So I kind of root for the other teams a little bit. So I guess I'm, I'm as, non-biased as I can get for considering I played there and blah, blah, blah. Right. Yeah. So I don't know, but then also like sometimes I have to take myself back because I'm like, you know, the people listening to do want to be like, goes eggs, you know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) So it, it, that, that, that aspect, uh, is kind of a fine line, I guess. But, um, I, like I said, I just call it like I see it. And if like, if a Gonzaga player, commits a violation and it wasn't called like nobody's gonna be like oh my god why did you say that he did that yeah you know what i'm saying yeah and especially like i said for radio you have to explain it sure in a quick a quick of time. Yeah, yeah and you have to tell you know because obviously people are just listening so you have to explain so like drew chimney looked like he traveled there and he probably did but he still got two points yeah. right that's okay well the funniest th- experience that i've ever had with this and i want to hear if he either he directly said something to you or another random mm-hmm. fan did this would have been about seven, eight years ago. And I'm just starting to really kind of grow my TV yeah. broadcasting and our regional crew. We had a game at Santa Clara and um, Santa Clara played Gonzaga really tight. I think this is when they had like Foster, who was a great scorer yeah. Um, yeah. down there. And it was a tight game. I think Gonzaga maybe won by like six or eight, something like that. I go to practice a couple of days later. Mm-hmm. And I sit down on the, uh, on the bench and you know how it is when practice is going. Sometimes Fuey will come over and say something. Sometimes he won't. Yeah. won't. Within about the first two minutes of me sitting down at practice, Coach Few makes a beeline over to me. And he says, so what? You're not a Gonzaga guy anymore? <laughs> you, you don't want us to win? <laughs> you're, you're pulling for Santa Clara? <laughs> He's like, and, he, and he made a, co- a couple comments yeah. of like exact plays that I, ref- that I was during the game that yeah. he was referencing. And I looked at him, I said, coach, I'm just trying to call it down the middle. I'm not like one way or the other. He's like, okay, I got it. All right. <laughs> you're not a zag anymore. <laughs> he, would, have, he you, would say something like that. Exactly. Do you have any experiences with him or a, a random fan? Uh, no, not Fuey. And, and I think he probably knows I'd be like, <laughs> yeah, like I'm going to change my broadcast. Cause you told me something <laughs> yeah. like, you know, like we have that type of relationship. So I don't, I don't think he, um, but no, I've been lucky. I haven't had any fans be like, well, why'd you say it this way or whatever? Basically the UCLA game when I was yelling is the only like, dude, you were screaming like a child. I'm like, well, of course I was excited. Like you had to be there type of moment. That's yeah. what it was. Um, but I've been lucky that, uh, you know, I haven't had coach few critique my broadcasting <laughs> ability. Like you, I would have been like, <laughs> Okay, dude. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, well, I guess we sweet. both have an open mic. We can critique his coaching. I I sometimes do. That's the hardest thing is because sometimes 
like obviously he's a hall of fame coach he just got usa basketball you know like yeah. it speaks for himself but sometimes if you're watching a game like you're supposed to be like hey i don't agree with that substitution pattern like fans want to hear that too right so that's the hardest part for me is like or i that's the biggest thing is like substitution pattern sometimes i always scratch my head obviously they know more than i do yeah but sometimes a guy will kind of be rolling, but they kind of, st- you know how it is. They stick. Yeah. They you stick. kind of scripted plan. They and the sti- only way you get off of it was with an absolutely bad stretch of turnovers or fouls. But, but yeah, exactly. But sometimes a guy's rolling and won't get that the other way. Yeah. And goes a little bit further. So that's where, that's where I'm always have to like, why is that guy coming out, Huddy? You know what I mean? Yeah. And he'll, he, you know, he wants to say it too, but he's like, move along. You know what I mean? But it's, that's the hardest thing. But, you know, it's not like, you know, we have a program that's like that would lose games, close games because of coaching. That would be hard. Yeah. You know, like, why'd you take a timeout there? You know, why'd you run one four low? And when you're with no rebounding ability and then they get, they get a run out and you lose, you know what I'm saying? Like that never really happens, but I would probably say it if it, yeah. <laughs> if it did, I yeah. guess. No, and that's that is also a fine line with college versus pro. Yeah, because I've never called a pro game. Mm-hmm. I've done studio for for NBA games. Yeah, um, but I've always kind of felt that college players you can't critique them in the same way as pros because they're not getting paid. But those lines are starting to blur with yeah. NIL. Do you agree? Uh, yeah, but also like to me, they're kids. So I'm just like, what am I going to hammer this kid? Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, like, sure. I get the 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 thought process of that because if a guy's making X amount of dollars or whatever, he is a professional essentially, right? But you know, they're 18, 19, 20, 20, You know, and we all my my daughter's oldest daughter's thirteen. I'm like, if I was at a game and listening to it, and somebody was hammering my kid, I'd be like, well, come on, man. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Now, professionally, I totally agree. Like you get, it's, it's fair game, do whatever you want. Um, but uh, for the most part, I don't, I try not to, you know, get on the guys, I guess, on, yeah. during a broadcast. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't see the value in that. Um, you know, it, it's, they're kids. Yeah. That's the best way to put it. Well, because we're not recapping games, we mm-hmm. can kind of go on a number of different tangents yeah. with this conversation right now. But when do you was there a specific moment as an athlete when you went from college to the NBA mm-hmm. because you were celebrated mm-hmm. and then every player at the next level has an adjustment level mm-hmm. both like guys media coverage yeah was, was there a moment or like that's just not fair like that guy wrote this article or made that comment they don't know me or anything enough about me yeah there we had a we had a writer who just passed and and for the Charlotte Observer uh, Rick Bunnell um who was uh, our beat writer and he wrote a couple uh, not the, the best stories about me um, early yeah. where it was kind of like, you know, or he would assume things about you uh, a little bit, um, you know, so where it's like, I don't really even like know you, like we haven't sat down and had any conversation, but at the flip side, that was his job. Yeah. Right. So then you get on the other side of it to go in and talk about broadcasting. It's obviously not print media, but it's the same side. We still get a media credential. Right. So I understand looking back that he was just doing his job and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't anything like slanderous, but when you're younger and you're not used to that, right. Especially coming from this media market, you're like any 
critique seems over the top. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like he wasn't a bad guy, wasn't uh, malicious, but you're just not, I was like, Whoa, wait a second. Like yeah. I thought we we're all on the same team yeah. here. You <laughs> know what all I mean? Buddy, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that, that, that was a little bit of adjustment. Yeah. There was one I remember and it was right out of the gate. My rookie year in training camp mm-hmm. with the Hawks. Cause most people don't know this, but I played my senior year on a torn meniscus. Ouch. Like, you remember Steve-O, Steve O yeah. Steve long, like literally hour before every, tr- it, it happened again in the game against Eastern Washington. One of their guys fell on me. Yeah. Get through the game with adrenaline. Nothing's wrong. Next morning, first step out of bed, boom, fall I'm over. Done. I was like, Ouch. swell up. And yeah. Everything. Luckily it didn't swell, but I didn't know it was torn until after the season. Steve-O and I were basically like, don't ask, don't tell. Yeah. Don't, don't tell anybody. And this went through the whole NBA pre-draft process, went through summer league and where it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And to the point, finally, it, and I think you know me well enough. Like I just keep grinding through. I don't mm-hmm. complain. I don't skip workouts. Training camp, like it was bothering me. I was getting like fifth to last in in sprints. Sprints, yeah. And this writer saw it. He's like, "How's this youngest guy on the team? You know, a six foot point guard. How is he like last in sprints?" <laughs> I'm like, "If you only knew no, how yeah. bad my knee hurt right now." And you know, f- I think four games into my rookie year, we f- I finally told the trainers, "Like, look, this we got to figure this out because mm-hmm. I'm doing everything I can. I've done it for months. What is it? MRI." torn meniscus, cut it out. You're back in six weeks. But that's, that was my first experience. I was always kind of guarded the rest of the way with that. Yeah. Journalist. Yeah. Well, and we were lucky though. We grew up in the, or we came in in the on social media or it was just, so like it, it's a whole different ball game now. Like I can see guys, well, it's a, it's a flip side to it though. Cause you can control your own narrative now too, though. Right. Like to a certain extent. Yeah, you can. Right. Like if you get a good publicist crew and, and do the right things and move the right uh, people around, like you can control your own narrative. So that part is definitely an advantage of social media and all that in coming into critique or dealing with media that you're not used to, but also there's, you know, way more voices to, to critique you. So it'd be an interesting time to, you know, come into that life if it was now and, and see like how different perception would be viewed and how much you could shape it. Yeah. If that makes sense. No, for sure. Well, that game against USD was canceled. Yeah. I was planning to go down to call it. I had a tea time at Torrey Pines set up the very next morning with one of my best friends who lives down there. That's awful. That yeah. just, that happened. Yeah. Shouldn't have said that. It's <laughs> terrible. Yeah. yeah. Tea time at Torrey. That sucks. Tea time at Torrey. What's the best golf course you've played on a road trip? Uh, it's a good question. I played, um, what's the name of the, there's a country club in Vegas that a, a good family friends of the power family is, um, friends with it's called dragon, uh, dragon Ridge or something like that. Beautiful course on top and Henderson. And you can see the whole strip from afar and it was, you know, all the houses on Celine Dion, you know, it's like yeah. one of those places <clears throat> just beautiful. So yeah, the, every time the Vegas, they were, um, we're nice enough to get me on there once. So well, the cool. nice thing for you is you guys have like a five day stretch with the WCC tournament yeah. in Vegas. Yeah. So how do you balance the golf versus the <laughs> poker? Since I know you like both. Of them. Uh, I usually, the poker usually wins really? in my, my vice world that I live in <laughs> usually takes over. Um, yeah, you know, I, I like to play cards, uh, PLOs, my game and, and hold them. So 
Yeah, on the road trip, those those road trips are the best, though. You know yeah. how it is because you can kind of settle in and do your own thing. And, you know, if there's one day you want to sleep all day to kind of catch up. And, I mean, how many kids have you got? Six? Yeah. Right? So, I mean, sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. It's, not, it's nothing against, like, your kids or your wife. But, like, sometimes it's like, hey, you got eight hours of silence in a room. I know it sounds funny, but all yeah. the dads listening right now would be like, yeah. Like, what do you want Amen. for Christmas? <laughs> eight hours of silence. Yeah. Right. So that part is nice. You know, sometimes I, uh, you know, kind of get back and just uh, relax and stuff. But I mean, the road trips for me are nothing, man. It's awesome. Yeah. Like I get to go to California when it's 14 degrees in Spokane, call a game, be with my friend, Huddy and other people around Gonzaga, have a few beers and then fly back home. It's like, darn, this is hard. Yeah. It sounds like a lot of fun. Shoot. So I just had the the world's worst travel experience mm-hmm. for a broadcaster. So I mentioned we talked about the USD game canceled. That was supposed to be the first leg of my trip. Yeah. And from San Diego, one of the best cities in the country, I had to go. I was scheduled to call a game in Laramie, Wyoming. Yeah. Nothing against Laramie. It's just almost near impossible to get. It's to. hard to get to. Yeah. yeah. So I had to change my my flight plan. So I had to fly to Denver. Oh, and by the way, then the day I now arrive, New Year or New Year's Eve day. There's a snowstorm. So a two hour and 10 minute drive became a four hour white knuckle drive. Um, luckily, I got to Cheyenne and then you, you've spent time in Wyoming with yeah, your family. That I 80, that I 80 was not closed. So I decided to go for it, which in the dark in a snowstorm wasn't easy. Yeah. Uh, so it took four hours in a snowstorm. On that drive, there was probably 40 cars that were in the ditch. That's so scary. Yeah. Ugh. So, Next morning, it's Boise State at Wyoming. Next morning, we have our coaches' Zooms because right now with, with protocols at CBS, you can't go to shoot around or they don't want you to. So mm-hmm. you have Zoom meetings with coaches. Leon Rice, head coach at Boise State. We know him well. 9.30 a.m. He's like, oh, good. We're good to go. We shot last night. Guys were feeling good. Uh, we're going to go watch film uh, in about 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. I'll see you at the arena. So games at 2 p.m. Oh, so, yeah. I get to the arena at 12.40. No Boise State on the floor. <laughs> One o'clock, no Boise State on the floor. I text Leon, Leon, what's going on? He's like, well, we're waiting on results. It's like, you got to be kidding me. Wow. Text me back 15 minutes later. Game's off. Yeah, <laughs> so I travel all that way. way. To Laramie to go watch a warm-up. A warm-up, yeah. <laughs> so then I quick, I turn in my, I get in my car. I drive back now to Denver. To Denver it's yeah. still bad. Roads are bad. Yeah. Instead of four hours on the way, it took 3.15. Yeah. Sit in the airport for seven hours because our my flight was delayed two and a half hours i got it back in this book at 215 rolled into the house at 245 in the morning and uh so that that's i'm still catching up from that one but that was my most brutal broadcasting experience yeah that's uh my cousin plays for wyoming football so i've, I've been to wyoming or to laramie um and we usually we've done the denver then drive down but we obviously do it in the winter so yeah, yeah i can't imagine it's like, a nice drive though when in the daylight, not, yeah, when it's not snowing, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, were you happy when you were at the airport for seven hours? Were you did you go drink some beers or something? I had uh, two big glasses of wine, yeah, but it was to the point where like you can't fall asleep at the terminal at the gate because yeah. there was two other flights, that and were the wine's probably like 28 bucks a bottle, you know, a glass yeah, or whatever. Was, so yeah, I don't even like, want to know, yeah. I don't want to look at that American <laughs> Express statement when it comes in. Denver Airport dinner, $300. So yeah, exactly. What the hell? What the heck? Yeah. Last question before we wrap this one up. Uh, you mentioned pinball, mm-hmm. poker, pinball, golf. 
I love all those. Yeah. I don't play as much poker as I used to. Yeah. Golf, you used to hard. play a lot. Yeah. I've got Lord of the Rings pinball. Unfortunately, you'd hate to hear this. It's, it's in my barn because we don't have room in the house for it right now. How many pinball machines do you have? And what's your favorite pinball I've had machine? The most uh, I've had nine at one point or through my house at one point, if that makes sense. Because it's a it's a subculture, like a group where you can sell them. They hold their value. So like you trade a lot and resell and then buy a new one. Um, so right now I have four. Um, my favorite of all time. It's a tie between probably Attack from Mars or Medieval Madness. But the new Stern ones are great. Hold your Lord of the Rings, by the way. Yeah, I know. It's a collector's item now. Yeah, no, that's a good, that's a good, that's a good. So, um, how'd you get that? My wife bought it for me for Christmas. Uh, Uh, the same year I tore my Achilles. So I came home for her. My season was over. Uh That's my Christmas present. I played probably six hours of pinball for about two months straight after my Achilles surgery. It's fun. I was good. Yeah, it's fun. Not very good anymore. Yeah. But, uh, so it's about what? 12 years old, right? When it first came out. Yeah. They hold their value. Yeah. But yeah, if you're trying to, trying to swoop in. Yeah. No, no, that's a good, the Lord of the Rings (laughs) is a good game. It really is. So a highly sought after game. Yeah. Random story on pinball. Um, do you know Todd McCulloch played in the NBA for years? We were teammates at UW. Yeah. He does the, he goes to the pinball, uh, the arcade show in Tacoma. I see him out there. He's world ranked. Yeah. And And I had no idea until I had him on my other podcast. We stay in touch here and there, but he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm ranked. Yeah. He's just, he's just like a celebrity at those deals and guys like, obviously they know it play who plays hoops, but he's not known for like that. He's like, Oh, that's Todd who used to play basketball, the pinball guy, which is cool. I've never, I've never been to his house in in Washington, Mm -hmm. but I've been to his old house in Philly in his basement. Yes. He had like 35 pinball machines. He had arcades Mm -hmm. like you were walking into a Dave and Buster's. He built a separate garage at his house in Washington. I want to say it's on Whidbey Island or one of those over there. It's like a separate garage that's just basically his own pinball and arcade. It's It's amazing. You got to connect with him. It's it's a subculture, man. Like it's a, it's a fun hobby. Like I know people think it's funny, but like there's a, like in the last five years of like pinball arcade, you know, arcade bars and like for adults only they're going up everywhere. So like everywhere I go, I just look up one of those and like, why don't you open one in Spokane? There is one downtown. Really? Yeah. It's a hard demographic to own a restaurant. Like, come on, man. Yeah. I wouldn't do a restaurant. Yeah. It's it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know friends that are good at it and they're like, it's hard. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, you know, like I said, it's fun. It's, It's something to do. And besides, you know, sit in the room and you just go play some pinball and, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 beers later, it's like, I can still keep this ball alive. That something's going right. <laughs> so, man. Yeah. I, I loved it in uh, Lord of the Rings when uh, I'd get multi-ball yeah. I, and then all of a sudden you get the pops going where it's extra, yeah, yeah. extra balls and like, man, scare the heck you out of You have the ISR on, on that one, right? Yeah. 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 It's a good one. So much fun. I'm going to, I might have to go game. clean it up and bring it back in the house now. So. Yeah. Well, Adam, appreciate it. It was yeah. a great episode. Uh, look forward to bringing another uh, release later this week. So for Gonzaga Nation SI, Adam Morrison, I'm Dan Dickow. <laughs>